2: Even at thirty thousand feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. Dw a we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
3: Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back here to talk about a very exciting Amazing Race finale. Amazing Race uh, 34 is in the books and we've got a uh, breakdown of everything that happened in the final leg of the Amazing Race. The only leg that counts and congratulations to Derek X and Claire, winners of the Amazing Race 34 here with me to talk about it, of course, our amazing race uh, panel of amazing experts, of course, here with us today. She's not the oldest, not sure about the shortest, but the most femaleist <laughs> member of our panel. Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you?
4: Rob, I think you and I are the same height.
3: Okay. So. Yeah. That, you know, if we, had, if we all took our shoes off, I think it would be, uh, we'd ultimately have the answer to that question.
4: I guess so. Happy finale, Rob. Happy
3: finale. Uh Jess, how are you doing?
4: I'm I'm doing well, Rob. Um my six-year-old son has now correctly predicted four amazing race winners wow. in a row. Um I'm four in a row him to Vegas. Gee. <laughs> And he's he, better than Nicole Stradamus at
3: this point, uh, okay. Nicole Stradamus is very overhyped at this point uh, it's been a minute since uh, she had something <laughs> right although <laughs> she, she may have she, I, I do believe uh, we have to go back and check the record she may have be on to the season 43 winner of Survivor maybe a resurgent season for Nicole Stradamus but here with us as well in his ready to go to Nashville here he is it's Mike Bloom. Mike how are you
5: I'm doing well, Rob. Listen, I brought my little guitar. I don't know if it's a Gibson. I was ready to play it, but I'm out my only three guitar picks. I'm not sure who took them. Last I checked, I left them on the top of a bridge. I hope they're still there by the time I get back to them. Hopefully nothing's happened.
3: If you're listening to the podcast, Mike is wearing a uh, cowboy hat. He has a guitar. Mike, can you play anything with that? Is that a prop?
5: I mean, uh, I was thinking, should I play D and C chords in honor of Derek X and Claire? But I'm certainly not as prodigious on the guitar as Derek X, Derek X as perhaps on piano, though maybe I guess in retrospect, should they have done a memory challenge around the guitars that they were bringing around, right? Considering that with no besmirching any other musical instruments, uh, I do feel like we associate guitar most closely with country music, with bluegrass, et cetera probably be a little bit harder to plunk out notes on a guitar but maybe that would have been the more appropriate instrument though who knows if Derek X and Claire yeah. would have won uh, you know had they not happened to to come into one of these instruments that Derek was so good at
3: yeah it would have been a uh, Jen and Caroline's five-hole challenge uh if we would have had to play the guitar just
4: what a what a cameo holy crap mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, there
4: there's no FAO Schwartz does not make a giant guitar you can walk on this is mm-hmm. the problem it's not cinematic enough
3: mm-hmm yeah.
4: Now, if, if we had a guitar based memory challenge before. No, I'm thinking of the one where we had like rock posters that were like psychedelic rock posters designed yes. for each of the. And that mm-hmm. was on okay. a music stage. Right. And, the, 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 yeah. and then
5: they yeah, had the season 32 one too. Right. Where like, they had to pick, I think they had to pick the guitar cases that had the stickers. Right. Yes. Of the legs mm-hmm. on yes. them.
3: Yeah. Uh, was that when in Detroit where we ultimately had to put together the drum set also.
5: So that was season 31. Season 32, this was like the uh, the, the the penultimate leg, right? The moment where Gary and D'Angelo ended up getting boxed out on that memory challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of I thought of the music.
3: penultimate leg was last season with the Kim ultimate leg, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. am
5: surprised. We did an entire <laughs> ass season on The Amazing Race with these two. And never once did we make that joke. I suppose better late than never. We'll
3: go back and do it. Um, but yeah, I guess The Amazing Race likes to rock uh, on their last uh, final leg and bring it home.
4: Yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't, I think they, I think they liked the music. I don't know if mm-hmm. this rocked per se. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, we had a full orchestra <laughs> that was, you know, they, you can tell they got their budget back.
3: Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, uh, we are recording this early in the morning, but I feel like to get into the spirit, I have uh, filled my cup with Jack Daniels. So I am uh, ready to go on a Thursday as we get ready to talk about this leg in Nashville. Um, And I thought this was a great commercial for Nashville. Love to Uh, go out there.
5: I mean, to a certain extent, it seems like you don't want to go out there after a certain amount of hours, considering how much Claire was just screaming at these belligerent people on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. to get out of the way. Uh, So maybe it's it's something you don't want to necessarily frequent when the moon rises or if you're in a race for a million dollars. But otherwise, yeah. I agree. I think it was a nice way to show off not just the musical parts of the city, but a couple of other places along the way. And overall, really fun finale. Look, it's tough to top the, the epicness of last season, right? Of having Pet and Kim pass Raquel and Kayla right at the final task. But what I really liked about this finale is not only were these three incredibly likable teams, I might argue, just from like a popularity perspective, one of the strongest final threes out there, it felt like the rare finale where one team didn't immediately fall out of it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to uh, last season with Ryan and Dusty immediately getting lost to the elevators. Season 31, Leo and Jamal like can't crack that safe. They're immediately out. Tyler and Corey, season 28. We usually see it become like a neck and neck race between the top two teams, but I guess speaking towards the competitive aspect of these three teams, it really was a horse race throughout. Despite the fact that Derek and Claire never lost first place after that bridge. It really did seem like any point in time, someone could pass them on a certain task and and end up getting the win there.
3: Jess, I always like to get your take on the leg design of the final leg, something we've talked about a lot over the years. Uh, How did they do for Amazing Race 34 on this final uh, hour of the race?
4: Well, I think I figured out, I think I cracked why this was such a satisfying finale. And it all centers around the bridge. Mm -hmm. Because we typically have this adrenaline task at as a centerpiece of the finale where you have to jump off something or climb up something or climb off something and then jump off it. And frequently that's at a, an attraction where you can't put more than one person on the obstacle at a time. And the bridge, everybody was up there at the same time because they had three different paths to get up to the guitar case. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of Tyler and Corey getting – basically boxed out of their finale because mm-hmm. they were they weren't the first people to get to the to the thrill task and here it's like you could be up there doing the thrill task for as long as you needed to be and you could also with without like pushing the teams behind you further behind and people could pass you i think that's the key you need to be able to pass the other teams on all of the legs and that basically happened on all of the pieces of the leg mm-hmm somebody got passed and you know i said last week i will be satisfied with this finale if somebody passes somebody at some point on the on the leg and that happened many many times so i'm very satisfied
3: Mm -hmm. i also thought that the final memory challenge i thought it was uh, a different twist on what we've seen before and it wasn't just people like running around i I thought that it was a kind of a cool way uh, that they did that i also thought that the symphony playing the amazing race theme was pretty cool too so mike i really like the final task also
5: yeah what i thought was really fun about the amazing race this leg was talking about the season overall i'm sure we can talk about that later on i got a lot of old school vibes from this season and you could sort of tell this final leg re- looked back to its history in that old school way as well right we're like Phil talks about the theme song being around since 2001. You know, mm-hmm. we love Survivor, but I don't think they're doing a task around Russ Landau's music anytime soon. Now, they did incorporate ancient voices into a couple times uh, this season. Having Caroline and Jennifer, who, yes, are fairly new school, but like I always love when they have random alumni pop up over the course of the show. It's a, it's a fun little touch that makes us realize that the show also kind of remembers its history uh, that maybe some other shows do not of just, okay, we're going to focus on this season and not really talk about seasons that have happened in the past. The amazing race like Survivor and Big Brother has, has now I think gotten to a point where it hasn't gone too meta, but I think that it is starting to embrace and I think mention more of its history than perhaps it has in the past of trying to make each season isolated incidents. And so I think being able to honor that in what didn't feel like a shoehorned way. Again, you know, Caroline and Jen, country singers, live in Nashville, bring them out there like Ernie and Cindy. They'll actually put the spotlight on there rather than Ernie and Cindy just sitting there in the baseball stand so that mm-hmm. two-thirds of the teams don't recognize them. And then having the orchestra play the song, it's so good, it was so good to hear the song being played on the strings. Uh, just brings me back to why I watched this show 20-plus uh, years. And I, I thought it was just a really nice way to kind of harken back to those elements that have kept us watching for decades while also not drawing too further attention away from the plight of these three teams as they're trying to figure things out it also helps that some of them are big fans as well like do not quibble with lewis and michelle's fandom they sang though we're gonna win the amazing race song to caroline and jennifer that to me they
3: knew jen of- and caroline's names
5: yeah they, they that's a level of super duper mm-hmm. in my opinion <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Like, I I think that Derek and Claire just I think they said, oh, they're the the country singers Uh, and Emily and Molly. I think it was like uh, did not uh, make a connection. Uh, But for Louis and Michelle uh, to know the names and the and the theme song.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's I don't even know if we would have pulled the theme song.
3: I definitely I don't, would don't,
4: not I don't know. Have. Don't, yeah.
5: don't sell yourself short. Jess, come on. <laughs> We're going to win. The amazing race is a two season long song.
4: Like, yeah. It, but that it, second it, season it. is one I've tried very hard to block out.
3: hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk it through of what we saw on the final leg of the amazing race. Uh We started things off, head to the Jack Daniels distillery and you know, Going back and like looking at these uh setups, uh, you know, I really feel like the tough as nails influence is very strong on these uh setup clips of Phil like in the factory, like taping up the boxes uh every, with everybody at the Jack Daniels plant. Uh just like I feel like that Phil must have really been in his element at the factory.
4: Oh, I think I think he's very much. Still in tough as nails mode when you see him doing this intro. Mm-hmm. In, in
5: retrospect, do we think this is something that teams from season 35 onwards like need to prepare, right? Drive, stick, have a plan for your roadblocks. Now get like handsy in a manner of speaking, considering how many building tasks and manual labor, blue collar esque tasks we've had over the course of this season. To your point, maybe Phil's influence on Amazing Race has really played out here in season thirty-four.
4: Well, so, how do you train for that, Mike? Is it just like should we just put like build something out of Legos, or you know, well, do somebody's yard work? Saying
5: IKEA furniture this <laughs> entire time, right, yeah. using it as metaphors. Well, so. I do
3: think that's interesting. That, and not that I think that Phil has any sort of uh, a uh, no pun intended a hand in uh, designing the tasks. But is it possible that is, is there? crossover from the challenge design team on the amazing race that also does the challenges on tough as nails i mean if phil was going to host a reality show it makes sense that there would be a lot of crossover from the amazing race production team and the tough as nails production team
4: there is a lot of crossover i think if you look at the credits you'll see a lot of the same names
3: Mm -hmm. yeah so Yeah, interesting that maybe there is like uh, something that we didn't really, I think, talk about too much, but I think that there would be a lot of crossover of the types of tasks that you have seen on Tough as Nails with uh, tasks that end up being on The Amazing Race.
5: I mean, those were the two big themes of this season, right? was like building things and singing slash dancing things. Uh, It was all about music and handsiness in a manner of speaking. Uh, And so I think it's interesting to see The teams that did well and didn't do well in other ones, like Derek and Claire were almost the opposite of Louis and Michelle, right? We're like, Louis and Michelle seemed okay at the building stuff, but then completely fell apart when it was a musical-based memory task. We saw Claire in that socket wrench on the Ducati, but then when it came to that musical test, they ended up acing it. So maybe it is trying to marry those two particular things moving forward. Mm
3: -hmm. yeah. All right, well, we'll talk more about uh, marriage proposals uh, later on marriage. in the episode. Yeah. All right. Uh, you need to label or pack. Uh, just this didn't seem especially uh, difficult to uh, tape the label onto the Jack Daniels bottles.
4: I like you have to line it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as someone who. As someone with a child who has a lot of plastic toys that have stickers that you have to put in exactly the right place, like this does take some finesse and they were getting things wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Should they have done a bit more of a fellow CBS property? I love Lucy and just sent out an egregious amount of bottles on the conveyor belt think
4: of the broken glass though mike that would have i guess they may make plastic
5: candles. you know use the cheapo depot version that 19 year olds uh get their older brothers to buy uh just to avoid any sort of spillage
4: Mm -hmm. i was waiting for someone to put a glove on top of one of the bottles and wave to it like in laverne and shirley (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh,
5: i'm just imagining emily and molly going down the street schlemiel (laughs) schlemazel
3: They're going to do it. Um, Emily and Molly, uh, they ended up getting out of the Jack Daniels factory first.
4: Yeah, they did a they did a good job at the labels.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, they get out. I just was thinking, boy, there's a lot of Jack Daniels that gets made.
4: It's one of the last things. I think they probably, they're hard pressed with manufacturing being outsourced overseas everywhere. It's very hard to find places that still have factories anymore.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've got a lot going out. Uh, I mean,
4: props to Jack Daniels. They've been there like since the beginning of the company. They've been in the same little town, and pretty much everyone that lives in the town works for the distillery. Mm-hmm. It's not commercial about that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looks good. Like, I, I was uh, saying, like, oh, maybe I should make a Jack and Coke soon.
5: Do you think after they packed those boxes, like they actually ship those, or were they just like, all right, these. <laughs> filthy uh non-factory people ended up putting on our stickers satisfactorily but not to the jack Daniel's standard let's take it off and do it all over again
2: maybe
3: maybe they put them aside and it's like something they give away for people like they go on a tour of the factory like oh here's a here's a free bottle of jack for you
4: probably gave it to the crew
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Or they could be like, "Congratulations, Derek Eclair! You get to win thirty bottles of Jack the Daniel's. To a lifetime supply packed. of
3: Jack Daniel's. <laughs> yeah. Bring
5: yeah. it to
4: Miami for the finale party. Mm-hmm.
3: You get
5: Expedia points worth a box of Jack Daniel's.
3: Mm-hmm. You'll win an Expedia points trip to Nashville, where you'll take a bartending class to learn how to make <laughs> Jack and Coke. Wow, that's great.
4: You need a class for that.
3: Mm-hmm. So." sure there's lots of other jack daniels drinks uh besides jack and coke even though i keep going back to it
4: there's the lynchburg lemonade oh this is how you know where jack daniels is made
3: Mm -hmm. Hmm. that sounds good too
4: yeah i think it's just basically lemonade and jack daniels but i have not taken an expedia bartending class so i do not know
3: you don't have the kind of points to do that i don't
4: have those kind of points
3: yeah okay uh next stop uh drive to the is it the korean war memorial bridge
5: i was a little surprised actually that we did not get a moment from emily and molly during this and i would be intrigued to ask them about it because their story was that they were both born in south korea and that's when they kind of got separated at birth before finding each other all these years later Mm
3: -hmm. yeah um be good to uh get their take on uh what that meant to them they the team's uh this was so interesting. They had to all drive. So, Emily and Molly are out in front. Derek and Claire follow them. They all are stopped at the same gas station to ask for directions.
4: I think there's one gas station.
3: Mm-hmm. There's one gas station. Everybody's asking for directions. four locals
5: just having six frenzied Americans run in and be like, give me directions, please. I need a million dollars right now, right now, right now. And obviously, that's going to be the big MO of the final leg in general. Uh, and luckily, there isn't necessarily a language barrier that might produce some uglier behavior considering how high the stakes are but yeah very funny to see everybody at the sort of same bp gas station asking directions from sometimes the same exact person now
3: mike do you think that derek and claire were recognized at all along the way it seemed like that based on like their interaction with the with strangers it seemed like that derek and claire had the most luck and the most like enthusiastic people who were helping them
5: So I don't think they were recognized, but I do have a fun story uh, because so I had the chance to interview Derek and Claire before the episode aired. By the
3: way, we will have exit interviews uh, with all three of the teams uh, coming later on Thursday.
5: So I I put out my interview shortly after the episode aired, and this is maybe perhaps they were recognized. So Derek and Claire, when they were running around the streets of Nashville again with the uh, the drunkards, perhaps they were saying, you got to give us direction just for a million dollars, et cetera, et cetera. This one dude says, okay, like, if this means so much to you, why don't you pay me $1,000 for me to give you directions? And Derek's like, sure, I'll, I'll Venmo you to you, whatever. Like, obviously, like, not meaning it. And then this guy actually pulls up his Venmo account and shows his phone to Derek X and says, all right, this is my Venmo. Go ahead and do it. And he's like, I, I don't have my phone on me. Like, this is not something we can necessarily agree to. Eventually, they were able to essentially just get past the middleman and talk to his friend, who was obviously much less uh, frugal and was able to give the directions away for free. But, yeah, wild that they were nearly out $1,000 from the million dollars that they ended up winning because this guy was essentially extorting them for $1,000 for directions. What
0: a jerk.
4: That guy's lucky that didn't make it onto TV.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, drag this man.
5: Yeah, I wonder, do you think he would sign the release if the $1,000 payment went through?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the man who charged a thousand dollars for directions uh, in a very crowded town like I could understand if there was like if they were like they were the only stop on the interstate and that this was the only chance to get the directions but there was a million tourists in Nashville
4: yeah it seems like you really don't have any leverage there Hmm. it is Ryan here and I have
2: a question for you what do you do when you win
3: Derek and Claire, uh, they're able to find the parking uh, first uh, where Derek is able to do the repelling. Emily and Molly, it takes longer for them to find their spot to park. Uh, Michelle uh, is the person who gets told. It's interesting. We said, Michelle, you have to do this one. And Emily, you have to do this task. Although for Emily, although uh, it looked like that her uh, knee was really bothering her. Seems like that uh, this is in her wheelhouse, Jess, uh, to uh, do uh, the climbing tasks.
4: Yeah, it sounds like she's an avid rock climber. I think that's something we'll want to ask them in their exit press about how was her knee during this task. Um, I thought it was really curious that they are enforcing the roadblock limit in the fa- finale. I don't think they've always done that. I think historically they have cleaned the slate for the finale, and it's like whoever wants to do the roadblock can. I mean, that hasn't been true for a couple of seasons, but I remember this is how, you know, the dreaded season 24, this is how Connor ended up doing eight roadblocks Mm -hmm. to Dave's four, because they said for the finale, all bets are off. You can do whatever roadblock you want.
5: Yeah. And so this was something that arguably got Derek and Claire the win. And this was something they planned for. Uh, They've talked about this in the recap. They talked about it with me as well. Their strategy purposely, we talked about this last week, right, that Derek had to do the canyoneering roadblock because Claire had already done six up to that point. And their strategy was to early on front load all the roadblocks, as many as possible, onto Claire, knowing that there's a good chance if they make it later in the race, the roadblocks near the end are the more physical. And so they figure, okay, that'll be more so in Derek's wheelhouse that'll get us out to an early lead. Lo and behold, what ends up happening? Derek is forced to do the final roadblock due to just evening out the numbers And it's this incredibly physical task that, as he talked about, is probably much tougher to accomplish from Emily's perspective and from Michelle's perspective, keeps them in that lead that they keep throughout the rest
4: of the leg.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, I clocked that. Mm -hmm. I, I wondered if that was the case when in the last leg, when it was clear that Derek had to do the roadblock, I wondered if that was what they had done.
5: Yeah. Now, to be fair, and they've even vocalized this as well, like. It was a lucky break. Uh, now, it's lucky, but based on, like, previous circumstances, right, studying the races these reality TV connoisseurs would do, it was a good bet to make, but you never know. We've seen in the past, right, season 20, where, like, each partner does a roadblock, uh, or mm-hmm. we see ones where there's no roadblocks, where it's almost like a scramble as where you just keep doing tasks upon tasks upon tasks. So it wasn't guaranteed but it was a bet they made that ended up giving out this million dollar payout.
3: Mike, in your conversation and- with uh, Derek and Claire, then was uh, the heights part of it also something that they baked into that equation where we saw Claire really struggle uh, with walking the tightrope earlier on, where Derek seemed like that this was not an issue for him. That it, like in studying the, the show, did they realize that there was going to be some sort of like uh re- like heights uh, part of the finale?
5: Yeah, so they talked about that, how, again, they ended up uh, benefiting from the fact that not only this one, but the last one as well, right? Jumping off that cliff, like there were heights, there was physicality involved. And so I think perhaps the whole tightrope fiasco with Claire was not even necessarily to get her that sixth roadblock so that she hits her peak and Derek can do the last two. But also it was a bit of like, well, Claire has good memory, so even if Derek was walking across the tightrope, there's no guarantee that he would have passed it. So I think there were many reasons why they ended up doing the tightrope. But yeah, they definitely benefited from the fact that a lot of the things happened to fall in the right place. Though, again, I wouldn't necessarily call it complete luck. It definitely was something they strategically pursued on their part early on and ended up paying out in a major way.
4: Well, Mike, show me a team that doesn't win the amazing race with a little bit of luck. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think exactly. every single team has gotten lucky at, at least... At least one point.
3: All right. So uh, Derek is the first to get to the top of the bridge. And there's just a guitar case sitting there uh, that he ends up <laughs> getting uh, the guitar pick the, for the Gibson garage. I, I just was thinking, what would happen if uh, you like accidentally like knocked the case off of the bridge?
4: it had to be zip tied up there like they they've got it secured somehow.
3: They've got it secured. Okay. So, uh the Gibson garage is going to be the next step.
5: I'm I'm just imagining Derek Claire being like Derek gets it and then he just like yeets the guitar case into the water so the other <laughs> teams, two teams can't get the case. Mm-hmm. It's
3: a like
4: Boston Rob move.
3: Yeah, well I think they they all had their own case, right? Mhm.
4: There were yeah. three cases.
3: Three cases. All right. So for Michelle, uh she really was struggling with getting up the uh, the uh her side of the bridge. Uh we saw her really loving the last heights task uh that we had her that we saw her do. Do you think that just was this an issue in her technique or was it something about the bridge uh that was uh maybe not the greatest thing she's ever done like walking across the last Tyro?
4: This was technique, I think. She was putting too much weight on her upper arms and she was trying to well she was trying to climb it like a hill i think and that wasn't really what everybody else was doing
1: Mm -hmm.
5: I i think
4: she was shaped very differently moving up that bridge right that's
5: the thing i think height ironically enough with the heights also might have been an issue right derek is taller and lankier michelle who is shorter like cannot span the lengths as much as derek could and so i think it was a lot more of like grabbing onto the ledge and pulling yourself up. With Derek, I think it was being able to have a longer reach. You could do a bit more of a bear crawl onto it. I
4: don't think so, Mike. I think hmm. no, I think you've pinged something in my head. I think she was trying to do that. She was mm-hmm. trying to grab the spans of the bridge and put her hands on the wall where Derek had his hands on the rope.
3: Yeah, the move was, was like different. you wanted to be like walking up the building like the old like uh, Batman TV show. Uh, and <laughs> that's what Derek was doing where she was like really like climbing it like a ladder uh which uh you know i think was uh the thing that was causing her to be slower to get through it
5: and then not only that she was so exhausted by the time she got to the top that she is not seeing the forest for the trees and is like i don't know what to find there's nothing up here except this suspect guitar case but surely it's not that and we don't know how long she was up there but yeah uh her you know taking a little while to find that guitar pick look they do end up getting to the gibson garage in second because emily and molly just get so golden lost after they leave the bridge but it, it was not a a fantastic look for michelle unfortunately which is ironic rob like you said considering how much she loves the heights the heights were her uh, her downfall here
1: mm-hmm.
3: all right so the team's are gonna head to the gibson garage uh derek and claire they get directions from somebody i think this was a funny moment where uh, Derek gets directions from a guy and tells uh, this man, uh, I love you.
5: There's like, wow, it's that easy for you to say it.
3: Okay. <laughs> hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh they end up being the first to the Gibson garage. Uh they spot uh Caroline and Jennifer there uh who are going to give them the clue. Just how do you think that works? Like uh, is Amazing Race is going to Nashville. They call up uh people like uh like hey, are you still in Nashville?
4: Yeah, I think well, I think production stays in touch with Amazing Race uh, mm-hmm. alumni. I think I think they're always thinking about like, oh, we're going to be in the city. Don't these people live in the city? I know there's Facebook groups for Amazing Race alumni. Mm -hmm. They're they're not off the radar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You didn't
5: think Keith and Whitney were uh, in the wings waiting? Are they still
3: in Nashville? I don't
4: know. I haven't kept up with Keith and Whitney.
3: (laughs) Check my last correspondence with them to see uh, what they're up to these days. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Interesting. All right. Um, Phil tells us just according to one study, there's more musicians in Nashville than any other city in the world. Uh, is this an actual study?
4: I, I would guess that there's, I, mean, I know that the Bureau of Labor keeps a record of like what people do for a living, but most people that are musicians aren't musicians for a living. So maybe it's professional musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe they just maybe it's one of those things like world's best cup of coffee. They just claim it.
3: Yeah, I don't think there was a study. I think that they just said like, well, according to one study, uh, like according to one study, uh, Rob is a podcast uh, is the most prolific podcasting company in the world.
5: Exactly. I think uh, the polls. Listen, if you ask one poller, <laughs> I think that's not exactly the best representation of perhaps the pulse of what's going on in the nation. <laughs>
3: It's going to go uh, really off the rails with a bunch of, uh, according to one study, but I I will. (laughs) I'll save it for off the podcast.
4: What are four out of five dentists saying? That's what I really want to know. Mm -hmm. Four out of five Helens.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So take the guitars uh, from the Gibson garage and Phil says they have to deliver them to honky tonks around the city. Mike, uh, I would love to know what is the definition of a honky tonk?
5: Oh, you're looking right at him.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
5: No, it's, it's uh it's I I mean, I don't I don't think I've used it as a description of a venue. Honky tonk is usually like a type of music, I would mm. imagine. No,
4: a honky tonk, it comes from the joints where the music's were played. A honky tonk oh. is a bar where music is played.
5: Mm mm-hmm. Specific kind of
4: music, usually. A
5: bar that provides country music for the entertainment of its patrons and the style of music played inside. Okay. So it's also the music as well. So it's a little bit of like a, a nominative descriptor, right?
3: hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It can be
4: an adjective, it can be a noun.
3: Mm hmm. Do either of you know, like the dynamic of like for Gibson for Jack Daniels, like uh, di- are are they paying to be part of uh, the Amazing Race, or is it just like promotional consideration?
4: I think there, I think there is some promotional consideration. Mm-hmm. I would guess that there's an agreement. Like sometimes Amazing Race has to pay venues to go there, but I think. I think they can probably barter when it's a brand, when it's a consumer brand that people are buying, they can probably get that price down quite a bit. Yeah.
5: I think we have to review the credits because I would imagine, right, there'd be a shout out of like Mm -hmm. special thanks to Jack Daniels, to Les Gibson Guitars. Uh, If that's the case, then I'd be more inclined to say that, yeah, it was them sort of like offering their services in exchange for word of mouth on national television. This to me seems distinctly separate from like the brand deals of Expedia Travelocity.
2: Mm -hmm.
4: do you think they would have it would have been a little more aggressive i think
3: Mm -hmm. do they go into the jack daniels headquarters and then somebody there is like venmo us a thousand dollars if you want (laughs) to shoot here
5: right now give me your phone shows you're full of money (laughs) so you have to pay out the nose for us i
4: I want to go back to the Gibson garage for a second, because there was a point where the instructions said specifically pick up two acoustic guitars and an electric guitar. Yeah. And this like for Lewis and Michelle, especially this seemed like a sticking point. And I thought they were going to check the guitars. They were going to look in the case, but this ended up being a total nothing burger. So like why make people do it?
5: Yeah, I think it didn't help that there were exactly nine guitars on the wall, right? Like, if they had made this, like, a typical Amazing Race puzzle, with, or, I mean, like, the memory test we saw with dummy answers, it could have been something a bit bigger. But otherwise, yeah, it just seemed like, here, let's make some extra work, pack up these three guitars, and carry them. Though, listen, you don't have to be born yesterday to kind of see, not necessarily, like, the difference between an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar, but if you see six guitars that look the same and three guitars that look the same. And you say, okay, you have to pick two of one and one of the other. You can just math it really quick and say, okay, I think I know what's an acoustic guitar and what's an electric guitar.
4: Yeah. Well, what surprised me is that the cases are usually different. Mm. Like the electric guitar case is usually not quite as bulky as a, as a hard case for an acoustic guitar. So it was weird to me that all of the cases seemed like they were the same too. Jess,
3: do you play the guitar?
4: Mm, A little bit. I'm not good at it, but yeah, I play a little bit.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular style of music that you play? Not guitar? really. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
4: Not really. I don't play for anybody. I took lessons for a long time. I still have a guitar. Um, my son was obsessed with guitars when he was a toddler, so I used to play stuff for him. But yeah, I, I'm not good enough that anybody would ever actually want to listen to it.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I liked this, Mike, that we had to have the teams then deliver the guitars and they had to like travel through like a very busy, like uh, touristy hotspot filled with a lot of drunk people.
5: Yeah. What is this? Whiskey Street instead of Bourbon Street because (laughs) of Jack Daniels. Uh, Just yeah, I I love night legs, uh, especially the night final. leg. I think that worked really well in New Orleans as an example. Obviously, speaking of Bourbon Street, I think it worked well here because, yeah. The human traffic was certainly oh, a, a difficult aspect of it, yeah. uh, especially again, when it came to either getting through them or apparently in the case of Tarek and Claire, like running into people that had the guts to try to get money from people that are racing for a million dollars.
3: Yeah. I just thought that uh, nighttime Nashville looked so fun. I feel like I wish I was out there being one of the people. Maybe uh, let's do a, a uh, know-it-alls in uh, Nashville.
5: Can we yeah, get I mean, Caroline and Jennifer to come out. <laughs> I like Bryson. When presents honky tonk.
3: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that could be a good spot. Uh, you know, it looks like there's lots of honky tonks that we can get out there to go and uh, maybe could we could we get the uh the, uh where where'd they end up uh, at the the uh either the Gibson Garage? There's so many different venues we could be at.
4: I think, I think Nashville is actually an ideal place for a live show because you have so many venues to choose from.
3: Okay. Uh, can we get Chase Rice to come out and give his thoughts on the episode, Mike?
5: I think so. Uh, we could just specifically ask him, all the the freakiest
4: freak, who got weird in this <laughs> episode the most?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
4: We just have to make sure that none of his exes are in the audience.
3: Yes. When he comes <laughs> up. And maybe Keith and Whitney could join us for that show, Jess.
4: I, we can invite them. Mm-hmm. I... I think the message might go straight into their spam folder. Mm -hmm. Okay.
3: (laughs) We'll see. All right. So uh, we see that the teams are getting out to uh, go to the uh, different honky tonks. The guitars are heavy. Um, We saw for uh, Derek and Claire uh, that there was, you know, a a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, some as uh, they would say on the real love boat some some bickerments uh going on with Derek and claire
5: for a brief second right it was that they were claire said we're going right Derek said we're going left i don't think it was arguments as much as like loudly communicating mm-hmm. to one another considering how high the stakes were and the fact that they probably just walked out of a rip roaring acoustically loud crowd uh that it, i think it was like a momentary dispute that of course they had to put in the in the coming up on right because it was like the rare moment that could be taken out of context of the two of them legitimately arguing on the race.
3: But I don't think we've ever seen them in an argument before. I mean, uh, they were not romantically involved on Big Brother where we saw uh, so much of them uh, and so much of their interactions. And then here, you know, they basically have been, like, getting along the entire race. So it was just a a little uh, weird to see them, uh, like, uh, you know, shouting at each other.
4: There was a point there was a point in one of the earlier legs when they were driving and they got a little contentious. Mm -hmm. The the, the whole K point
5: turn, right? Like five minutes later thing happened with a little bit
3: of bickering. And for an amazing race couple fight, I mean, this was a two on a scale of one to 10, Mm -hmm. but it's just that we have never seen them like, uh, like really have too much of a disagreement before.
4: Yeah. I mean, this has been a overall, a pretty conflict free, amazing race season. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a testament to, that's not something we need on this show to make a good show
3: i think david and aubrey had like maybe like uh like got up to like a four on a scale of uh one to ten in terms of arguing about navigating the car uh and that was about it this season
5: even recently i don't think anything this season was on the level of like what akbar and sherry were getting into oh forget it yeah uh so yeah i think in general which is interesting right because this is by far like the most couples we've had on the race in quite some time you think just mathematically speaking uh there would be at least a couple that are not necessarily seeing eye to eye but for whatever reason even a couple like derek and claire that had only been together for eight months going on the amazing race like they got a a well along well surprisingly uh, almost as they would say themselves so yeah i think it just shows the, the strength of these relationships over the course of the race as opposed to perhaps maybe situations of other amazing race winners, right. Who go in there as a couple and then come out being like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be together anymore.
3: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, uh, Lewis and Michelle, I feel like they make up some ground here on, uh, delivering the guitars uh, that I feel like that, uh, that, uh, Lewis, uh, it seemed like that he was doing a good job of like, uh, getting directions for people to, uh, get to the different places. Uh, whereas we saw, Emily and Molly uh, kind of fall out of it a little bit here uh, during this part. And for Emily, you know, lugging around this guitar really uh, was the last thing she needed to be doing.
4: Yeah, I noticed they got a little bit faster once they were able to drop off that first guitar and she didn't have to carry anything. Mm -hmm. The nice thing about this task is it does get easier the further into it you go.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's
5: interesting, though, that, you know, Emily and Molly have had such an interesting journey over the course of the race where they were doing really well early on but obviously you know they finished in the bottom two positions in the the two legs before this and i wouldn't necessarily fault emily's leg that much i think what it comes down to is navigation uh, and we see that really come out in this episode we saw it most prominently in the mega leg that for whatever reason whether this was you know just pure coincidental or not the the back half of the race was kind of predicated on them doing well on the task but consistently getting lost getting there and unfortunately in a leg where there's very little room for error yes they do catch up and eventually finish in a second place but i'd have to imagine that this sunk the race entirely this one incident where they got they drove the wrong direction
4: off the bridge mm-hmm. and it's been a minute since navigation has played a huge role in a finale i feel like I think most of the time it's like once you are on the ground, you are gonna be on foot most of the time. You don't see people have if you get back in the car, you're driving a short distance to an important landmark. And this this was a little bit more navigation than I think is usually called for.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky.
2: Lucky?
3: So the teams are going to eventually get to the municipal auditorium where they are going to get to see uh, the Amazing Race uh, Symphony Orchestra perform for the first time. Uh, Mike, I I got chills from the Amazing Race Orchestra.
5: Consider them multiplying because I got them as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, this this was really great. Again, I think we sort of. Uh, overlook the pastiches of the show that have been there since the very beginning. So it, again, it's cool to see the show honor this by having this big orchestra play the song. So I was a little confused because the, the task, right, Phil said, oh, they must play the theme on the keyboard. They definitely didn't. The theme does not last 11 seconds. Were these musicians just sitting there waiting this entire time until they finished to play the Amazing Race theme? Or was it like we've seen in that aforementioned, you know, task in the penultimate leg of season 32 or the uh the seven nation army task in season 31 where they just kept playing the same stuff over and over and
4: over again to throw the teams off well mike i had a lot of questions about this to be honest because i think they were in a different room it didn't seem to me that they could even mm. really hear the orchestra so i think it was more like oh here's a team the a team is coming play the song again And then they're playing the songs, you come in to get the cinematic effect, and then you go in your room and you do your task. The other thing is, the notes they were playing on that keyboard, I think they must have put them in in post. Those notes did not correspond at all to the Amazing Race theme. Like I thought at first it was going to be like, oh, can you pick this out on the keyboard? It will help you. But that did not seem to be the case at all. You just had to look at every picture and decide which ones you were going to use.
3: See, I thought I was crazy. I was like, uh, "Like this doesn't sound like the Amazing Race theme song to me that they're playing."
4: Mm, no, it's blonk blonk blonk
3: hmm
5: yeah, yeah. Not only that, like it's. I guess they had to get it in literal time, right? And then you have to get these twelve, these eleven notes out in eleven seconds. But it wasn't like you have to get it on the beat necessarily, right? It, had, it can't be like one, two, three four five six like it was just play the 11 notes in as me- as little time as possible so this is like
4: um this is like charlie pace trying to unlock the submarine mm-hmm. yeah
5: exactly like a, and it was good vibrations for Derek and claire not so much for for everybody else uh yeah so i mean listen it didn't necessarily connect but i love that soaring orchestra playing the theme song again i would imagine for fans especially on like louis and michelle's caliber that has to be freaking awesome, right? To just run into a room and have the amazing race theme played on an entire orchestra, it sounded lovely.
4: I think I might rig my apartment so that every time I come home, it plays that theme. hmm
3: <laughs> Yeah, or at least uh, the theme that, with your name in it uh, that we used to have for there the podcast. Go. Oh, uh, yes. Because okay. um, <laughs> I was wondering, just could you hack this of like, okay, Derek is a piano player. Could he just like uh, jump in like... I got this. And then uh, basically a la Tom Hanks in big Mike, um be able to just come in and just like, uh, like tap it out and then uh, unlock the thing.
5: Is that when Robert Loja's like, I like your style, kid. You're going to work in Nashville now. That's
3: mm-hmm. your job. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Mike, maybe this is a good opportunity to do that big movie recap uh, that, you know, we've been talking about all these years
5: the one thing that everyone's thinking our Shangri-La covering big yes this tangential task of playing something on a big piano Cause this it's is what I'm kind afraid.
3: of a messed up movie if you think about it
5: i mean in one very for lack of a better term big way yes 100% <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah so i don't know i don't know uh but that's not neither here nor there um did Derek's piano playing did it ultimately uh help that much
4: I think the one thing it did help is they knew which keys corresponded to which notes, because otherwise you're just thinking it's this one here and that one there. But he could be like, this is F sharp. This is C. This is G.
3: Yes. He also knew that the black keys also uh, made a sound.
5: (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing is that you think that's like remedial level, but that ends up doing one team in. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, he had that basic musical knowledge to know it. So this task seemed when i first saw it it seemed almost impossible because phil outlined there were 48 keys on that piano they have to pick 11 out of 48 of those keys now luckily there was a lot of studying that's in effect i'm sure i can talk about that in a bit in terms of some other preparation that Derek, uh derrick and claire did from previous amazing race winners but just like from a pure ratio perspective that to me is on the level of like applying the stickers to the plane in season 30 of just so many dummy answers outweighing the correct answers.
3: Yeah, I hear that. But also I think that the dummy answers I think were kind of like obvious. It was sort of like uh like uh oh the pyramids, uh like Mount Rushmore. Okay, that well, we didn't see that, right?
4: Yeah. Well they they tried to trip people up by putting a motorcycle in there that was not a Ducati and yeah, that's some a,
5: that's ruins.
4: Yeah, some ruins that were not Petra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they tried. Mm -hmm. But I think this task was very hard and I like that there is a hard task like I want that memory task to be taxing like this needs to be a very hard task and I appreciate when they put something brainy that calls upon you to remember what you've done over the course of the season because it's a nice way to wrap it up Mm -hmm. and it's also you know how many times is the race boiled down to who got to the bridge to jump off at first.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: All right, so here's what Derek and Claire told me that they learned from Penn and Kim, which we might recall, Penn and Kim, obviously everyone studies for the memory test, but they did it visually. Not only did they write down what they saw during tasks, they physically drew them out so that there was an image in their head associated with the task because they had a feeling, okay, any memory task is going to have some sort of visual component to it, right, most likely a picture, a prop, etc. Derek and Claire listened to that, followed the exact same advice. Won because of it. I think this is what you do from now on if you want to win the amazing race. Bone up on those sketching skills because I think you got to draw for the memory task.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So teams that they have notebooks where they're able to sort of just like draw pictures.
5: Uh, And obviously, they're not allowed the notebooks in the final task, right? That's why you see, like, uh, you know, Derek and Claire trying to friendly memorize the notes. Like, they obviously can't write anything down during the task at all. But before the final leg, they did like a huge cram session at the hotel of like, all right, let's review all the drawings that we did because we knew it was coming up. So I know that people are different learners, but I'm a visual learner, as an example. And I know for me, having pictures and images to actually study rather than just associating it with the word like, okay, Ducati, like you said, there are multiple pictures of motorcycles. I wouldn't know what to affiliate with it. Actually having like a very specific sense memory with a picture, I think is how you ace this memory challenge. Now, that being said, you do add an additional component onto this, right? Of speed and accuracy with the piano, which I really liked because there's an additional layer that doesn't have you just study out and and ace the final memory test thusly. But I think that's a good way to not necessarily hack the final memory challenge, but at least get yourself out in an early spot.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, really good information from uh, Derek and from Claire. Um, Emily and Molly, it took them a while to get there. Uh, They are ultimately going to uh, be the second team to finish it. It seems like uh, it was not as much of a struggle uh, for for them to uh, work on this. But just it seemed like that uh, for the teams, that the directions were very unclear about not only what they had to do, but that the fact that there was going to be like a timed component of this.
4: Yeah, everything seemed to be a surprise every time it came up. Like, it's, you know, it's not just that you have to find the pictures. It's that you have to remember where the pictures are. Oh, and also we forgot to mention you have 11 seconds to do it.
3: mm mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, it was just one surprise after another for the teams as they were trying to figure it out. Um, Many, many surprises also for Lewis and Michelle, who really had to deal with a lot of adversity in trying to figure out uh, how to do this. But I think they had uh, such a great attitude throughout the whole thing. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from Lewis and Michelle just in this finale uh, is uh, that they are relationship goals uh that they never you know no matter what like adversity gets thrown their way they never get uh like upset with each other I have a really positive attitude uh I, I really do admire that
5: yeah especially in the most because that's adverse- not how i am <laughs> especially in the most adverse of circumstances right like yes uh being optimistic in the course of the other 11 legs of the race makes sense because there's still runway for you to take off but this was the final leg you pretty much knew you lost out on a million dollars. Like I cannot imagine not having an adverse reaction to that. And the fact that Lewis and Michelle were still embodying this attitude they've had the entire time, right? Of like, enjoy the trip, no matter which way you land. Uh, And I I think that they really represented that, even though, I mean, I also hope that they were probably in it right until that final task. They were in second place, probably about like five minutes behind Derek and Claire or something. Even when they knew things fell apart, Uh, And I will also say to defend Louis Michelle a bit, because I would imagine there are some people out there, right? They're like, she's a dancer. How come she doesn't know how to read music? I know professional singers and musical theater performers who do not know how to read sheet music or like barely do. So people have been able to get by on a lot, especially when you're a dancer and you don't necessarily have to rely on singing whatsoever.
4: Mm hmm yeah i and I think with Lewis Michelle in particular, they are such big fans of the show, and it was such a long time dream for them that I think i and I think we saw this with a lot of teams this season. they were just so excited to be there. It was like however long we're in it, it's not it's not about the million dollars it's about the experience. I think that's probably true of everybody that was in the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek and Claire may be the people that had their heads in the game the most, and that might've been what got them the win. But, you know, Emily and Molly are just, they, they've said their primary goal is just to spend as much time together as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think when you're in the middle of it, the million dollars could sometimes be a secondary goal.
3: So for Derek and Claire, they are the first to leave. Uh, they have to get out to, uh, go to, uh, what was the site of the final, uh, part of the race?
4: Ryman Auditorium
3: Ryman Auditorium uh, and you know they tried to uh, at least like uh, give us a little bit of a fake out of like uh, you know is Claire running too slow uh, could Emily yeah, and, but, when, although, but when the
5: other team yeah, is Emily, <laughs> Emily and, Molly, and Molly
3: like yeah and what was interesting was that um, the, we saw like Emily and Molly where uh, somebody took a spill I believe it was actually Molly that fell not Emily
5: well they are twins, right? They have to have mirroring I injuries, so. I think.
3: I guess so. because <laughs> uh, I, I went back and I watched uh because it seemed like that the camera person wasn't even like on them and they like went back uh and it looked like I looked at the person with the leg brace uh was the person who was still standing. I'm pretty sure that was Molly that took the tumble. Um Derek and Claire, they are the winners of the amazing race. I
4: was I was shocked, mm-hmm. but also I I called it at the beginning of the season. This mm-hmm. was my winner pick on a, before episode one, so I can't be mad at that. Mm-hmm. This
5: was so great. But also to show like how Derek and Claire are definitely a different type of winning couple that we see on The Amazing Race uh, in so many ways in that they had been dating for only eight months. Like They talk about this on The Finish Line. They talked about it with me in my interview as well, that like they truly had no idea if they do well or not on the amazing race. Uh, And they actually, that whole soundbite they kept giving of like, this is a test for our relationship. They admitted it was kind of a crock at the beginning. They were just looking for like, why would they want us on the race? And they came up with this pitch almost of like, we're a new couple and we're testing our relationship. And it ended up actually becoming a reality where they actually learned a lot more about each other than they managed. But I think the most quintessential way that represents how different they are from other couples is- Two seasons ago, we get this stunning, beautiful proposal from Will to James at the finish line, and what does Derek X do here? <laughs> Trolls his girlfriend who just won half a million dollars. But honestly,
3: did he troll Claire? That I think he trolled Phil. Uh, like that he he goes to like make this gesture to do it, and like Phil's like ah oh, ah. Oh. And it is like, no, 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 he's joking. He's joking. This is a, this is what he yeah. does. Yeah.
4: I, you cannot you cannot do this prank on your girlfriend on national TV <laughs> she,
3: I packed she his bag. I packed his bag. There's no ring in there.
5: I love yeah. it though, because again, this was like very quintessential Derek X, which I think was like. Kind of the Ernie and Bert, I feel like, of like the very goofy one, and then like the much, the moment of drier wit, a bit more sarcastic. And so I think it ended up working out perfectly as well, where like Derek was being the big goofball jokester, being like, I've got a question to ask. And Claire's like, nope, shutting it down. Please. He's joking, met- <laughs>
3: This is what
5: he does. We, like they don't, they don't. They, we just met these people a month ago, Derek. They might think we're sincere here. This is absolutely not the case.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was such a funny moment. Like that was like classic, like Derek X and um, like where it's like okay, we have this, ama- this amazing moment here at the end of the show, uh, and you know he's still like goofing around. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was so fun. Um, yeah,
5: and Phil Phil had no idea how to react to this. That was maybe the funniest. Yeah, part Phil's like, like, uh, you know that's uh, really
3: not a thing you should joke around about. <laughs> uh, Phil was not super amused.
5: <laughs> Phil absolutely no sold it, and I adore it. Right, that Phil was just like, uh mm, Please don't do that. No practical jokes at the finish line, please.
3: <laughs> uh, it was so funny. I, lo- I, I love it. I think it.
4: it's. I honestly think it's goals to play a prank on Phil at the finish line.
3: <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um. Emily and Molly, uh, they come in second place, uh, you know, an impressive finish for Emily and Molly, considering, uh, that they had to deal with so much with Emily's injury. Uh, they were the team that really, you know, uh, against all odds, uh, you know, I-, I personally will, you know, uh, didn't have super high expectations for Emily and Molly coming in. Uh, and they just were, you know, I've described them as terminators, uh, throughout this race of uh, that, just basically no matter what. Uh, was thrown at them Uh, they're able to just keep on going
5: i i would go so far as to say this is one of the greatest stories that we have seen on the amazing race now of course it'd be a bit greater if they had won uh but second ain't too bad but like just think about this these people a year ago did not know that they had a twin at all then a DNS test is taken. Turns out I'm 100% that twin, uh, and so they just they find each other and they're like, okay, I guess we share some DNA, but we barely know each other. And they're like, great, we're gonna put you on the show now. That has in the past like caused couples to break up and have caused like rifts within family members. Like, good luck, enjoy this new relationship. And the fact that not only were they able to build such a loving relationship with each other but also succeed in a way that had them running all the legs together. Like, they were in tears on the mat. I was in tears watching them. It it was such a beautiful story that was just wild on paper in the first place. But the fact that we actually got to see their relationship not only become stronger, but then also play out in relative success on the race is a really fun thing that we don't usually see from these type of Mm -hmm. dynamics.
3: Yeah. Incredible job, uh, Emily and Molly. And then finally, uh, Lewis and Michelle, uh, they come in and great, great attitude for Lewis and Michelle. Uh, I liked what they said about someday that their uh, kids are going to watch this show. Uh, you can see, look how cool your parents are. Uh, that would actually be, you know, uh, they would be cool parents. No doubt. I was
5: going to say, Rob, did, can you advise them as to whether or not that will actually be a thing?
3: Well, unfortunately for Lewis and Michelle, um, that no matter how cool you actually are, your kids uh, will not actually think you're cool. Um, and, and in fact, that they'll actually like um, belittle and make fun of uh, whatever you go on to uh, do in your life. So um, unfortunately, I, it has not been my experience that your kids actually will think you're cool, even if you are cool.
5: So you're saying that Louis Michelle's future kids will like, Bring around a little keyboard and be like, Look, Dak, look, look at the black keys. Aren't these great? Just troll them endlessly a la Derek X for mm-hmm. years and years of their life. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, your kids be like, Did you even win Survivor? I mean, The Amazing Race, Dad. <laughs> yeah hitting a little close to home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it it's a thing that could happen um and then um i thought that then when lewis said you know he's like i love my wife so much like i would propose to her again right now if i go like, no, no no
5: no please we're not we're not doing that <laughs> i was like Derek, don't do that type of thing here Stop Derek it.
3: already ruined it lewis don't do, don't even joke about proposals again we're not we're not doing that um all of the other teams were there. Uh, just save for...
4: Were Tim and Ryan in there? Tim,
3: Red, Tim and Rex? Rex? Tim and Rex, yeah.
4: I didn't see them. I was, like, scanning the crowd, trying to account for everybody, but maybe they had bigger plans.
3: hmm Yeah. So... I do
4: believe they... I think they were at the finale party, but... They oh! Live in, they also live in Tennessee, so,
5: like, I'm not sure. Must have just been being double-booked. Yeah.
4: Yeah, or maybe they just weren't on camera that much.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Uh. Or maybe there they were just a lot of teams. I don't know. When they got eliminated, they just went like on some like uh like uh was, like started backpacking through Europe. We never they like uh, never came home. Yeah, we love left, left them in Germany. We haven't seen them since. Uh, is said something well, about that, Oktoberfest.
5: That I don't. That didn't happen exactly. But in Amazing Race thirteen, uh, the fourth place team got eliminated because they lost their passport. Uh, and so, because they could not physically leave the country in time, they were not there for the fin- for the finish line.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe at some point we get the answer to uh, what happened uh, with them. But all the other teams were back. Uh, very fun to see everybody together. Phil t- said uh, at the end of the race, "Like, okay, all right, now you may all like give them a hug.
5: You may all kiss the bride, Derek. Mm-hmm. You, you got that idea in me.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Phil asked. Derek and Claire, so what's what's next for you Uh, after you just won a million dollars? What's next for you? And and Derek said, "Going to
5: Disney World." Yeah,
3: well, I don't know if this was exactly the kind of answer that Phil was hoping for. Derek said, uh, "Like, well, next, I think we're going to get an apartment."
5: So now, here is the question: Should we have known this entire time? Because those of us that are diligently following the Declare on social media escapades know that you know before the amazing race aired they had moved to la they weren't living together i believe or maybe they weren't living together in new york but they had moved to la they'd gone a new apartment now i'm not sure with amazing race if this is the show where you only get the prize money once the show actually airs Mm -hmm. but should this have been a signal to us in retrospect considering what they would have done with the money okay they definitely won
3: i think If I remember back to, you know, post big brother 23, I think Claire had an apartment in, uh, in, uh, Manhattan or New York city. Uh, and then Derek like moved in with her. Uh, and so they were living together in Claire's apartment. I don't know, uh, that I guess, are you saying Mike, that they went Hollywood prior to the season?
5: Yeah. Like did they, after winning say, okay, we have the money now, let's go get that apartment. And perhaps, the news of them moving west over the course of the summer was prognosticating how they were going to do on the race.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, I guess I don't even think it matters if they had the money in hand, if they knew it was coming.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: they could probably. But have you seen apartment prices
3: lately? I mean, maybe that was just the biggest tip off. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. They can
4: afford to move in this economy.
3: <laughs> so, um. Yeah, I I didn't really look at it as uh, too much of a spoiler. I guess uh, I I haven't been following uh, their posts uh, super close to see like uh, how nice their apartment is. But, um, you know, I guess uh, I I just thought maybe, uh, you know, you go on a bunch of reality shows, you end up moving to L.A. I mean, I think that's the story for a lot of people.
4: Wasn't that the story for you?
3: Yes, but I wasn't there to... I was there to work in a production, mm-hmm. Jess. Not to sure. be... I mean, you
4: never know.
5: Derek Derek is fun employed right now, but we might end up having him make the score in two with all this new cash flow.
3: Well, good luck with that. <laughs> okay? All right. Um, what else about Amazing Race 34 in hindsight?
5: Yeah, what What are our thoughts about this season? I know it's, it's tough because we had two Amazing Race seasons... In a row this year, uh, both of which kind of had the samey feel with that post-pandemic quality. But did we like this season overall?
4: Yeah, I think I think this was a great return to form for The Amazing Race. I thought we had so many likable teams, and I think sometimes you run the risk when you have a when you have one of those teams that they brought over from another reality franchise. You have you run the risk that they're going to be the conflict team or that they're not going to mesh well with the other teams because they're going to big time them. And with Derek and Claire, we didn't get any of that. They were like, everybody wanted to be friends with them. They were the, they were the cool team and you can't begrudge them the win the way you might other big brother teams that have gone far in the past. Yes, They're not polarizing at all. There was no team here that people, you know, we didn't get, we didn't get hate tweets from people saying that we were being too nice to a team. So I always appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think and I think locations, they did the best they could with what they had. I think they've learned from previous mistakes. Um, I thought it was well designed for the most part. I, I'm i happy with it. I think it bodes well for the future of the show.
3: Yeah. I thought it was very refreshing to have a Big Brother team win the Amazing Race. That's actually likable. So that was, I think, a great sign. <laughs> for uh the casting from uh reality, go there, I didn't go there. Jack
5: Daniel's fired
3: mm-hmm. and so yeah I I think that this was a great season
5: yeah I I really enjoyed it as well I think listen the tasks were a bit like mid to subpar I think unfortunately that is just sort of like a, a caveat of modern day amazing race that we might have to get used to is just like Listen, they've been doing this for 34 seasons. The tasks themselves may not be anything to write home about. So really, my enjoyment always focuses on the teams. And I really enjoyed this cast overall. I think, especially after last season, which I enjoyed, but you know, 10 out of the 11 teams had a gimmick in a manner of speaking, right? They were on some sort of talk show, had some sort of thing they were famous for. This is one of the most quote-unquote normal seasons of The Amazing Race that I think we have had in quite some time and it was really refreshing. Like I said, those old-school values, no U-turns, uh, you know, self-driving on every leg. I think this was the season of like self-driving navigation. We saw how much that did in teams like Quentin and Maddie, like we saw with Emily and Molly in this past leg as well. Like I feel like that was more than a lot of seasons, especially modern-day ones. That was the big determinant as to whether teams did poorly or well. But overall, I think this was a really down-to-earth, Likeable group of people. I wasn't really bored by any teams, nor did I feel like there were any giant magnanimous personalities that felt larger than life. You know, even the reality TV stars themselves, I feel like were're just more kind of uh projected versions of like a normal person you might run into at your job. And so I really enjoyed the cast overall. I feel like everyone had some moments to shine uh, and then combine that with like what I would say was a passable course and tasks and it makes for. A good season. I think Amazing Race has very much figured out how they can do this post-pandemic. I would not be surprised whatsoever if we see this format carry over into Season 35, including the no non-eliminations thing. I think that was a choice. And while, yes, they were not exactly speaking the objective truth, I think it still did provide some really interesting stakes to every episode. So, yeah, I can't complain too much. Good teams, pretty good route, good season.
3: Yeah. I believe Amazing Race Thirty Five has been picked up, correct? But has mm-hmm. uh, that uh, are they filming it currently? It's in the can, already in the can. Yeah. Bam. They, they,
5: it ended in Philadelphia, I believe, uh, several weeks back. So, I betting right now, and like Derek and Claire, this might be a bet that either pays out or doesn't. My assumption is they're going to air this exactly how they did this past fall. I think it's going to be premiering March first, nine o'clock hour after Survivor. Maybe they start the week after survivors because they do that two hour premiere i think they're going to keep with that i think they have done like a two three month turnaround before when it turns out with the edit so i think it's totally within the realm of possibility that they turn it around for the spring
3: okay all right. So, uh, boy, Amazing Race, where, you know, once upon a time, uh, when everything shut down and the Amazing Race was the first to go down, I used to say, well, and then the Amazing Race is going to be the last thing to come back because I don't know how we're going to do the Amazing Race. Uh, who'd have thunk it? We're back just banging out these Amazing Race seasons.
4: Yeah, it's it's incredible. I There was a point where I thought we were never going to get another Amazing Race season.
5: Mm-hmm. I mean, several points if you're a longtime Amazing Race fan that you think, OK. This show's never coming back. But yeah, I count me among the throng, right? That would truly was like COVID killed the amazing race. It's <laughs> not coming back. But it is stronger than ever somehow. It has gained almost that herd immunity, I suppose, <laughs> to uh, you know, filming amongst the pandemic. And now it's at the point where for the first time in quite a while, we're doing two seasons a year.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So we will have Amazing Race 34 exit interviews uh with the final three teams. Uh look for that on Thursday. Anything else, uh, to close out our coverage of the finale?
4: Um, well, I just, I just want to thank the two of you because this is always fun. Highlight of my week every week.
3: Yeah. Uh, always fun to get together. Uh, we will also get together, uh, uh, that for a look back at the amazing race in 2022, uh, as uh we take a look back at uh you know how the year in the amazing race went at some point here in the near future. And then also uh we're planning on getting together to cover some tough as nails coming up in January.
5: Yeah, I was gonna say Phil Kogan will not be missing from our screens for long, and I'm excited for him to give that no nonsense that he gave to Derek and Claire to some of these other contestants. I believe the uh, toughest nails season four cast just got released a couple days ago, per Entertainment Weekly, premiering January third, I think. So yeah, we'll not be long. We're gonna have a brief sojourn for the holidays, but I'm excited to talk toughest nails again. We kind of took a a brief hiatus uh, due to it being on the same time as Survivor for season three, but I'm excited for season four. It's been fun to track sort of Phil's production timeline with this, the things they've been learning from season to season, and so. It'll be interesting to see, and hopefully we'll have the chance to talk with the man himself at least a couple times over the course of the season.
3: Okay. All right. Jess, um, what else is coming up for you?
4: Well, you alluded to we have a few more podcasts coming up at some point. Mm-hmm. This is my last scheduled podcast for
1: 2022. Oh. So I
4: am I have some projects in the works, but I'm enjoying a break.
3: Hmm. Okay. All right. Well rest up enjoy your break uh, i'm sure we'll talk about some more uh amazing race uh at some point in the next couple of weeks uh as we look back at 2022 um but great job on another season here uh mm-hmm. jess I've lost count was this the, is this the 13th or the 14th season that we've covered together
4: our first one was 21 so this yep. is our 14th
3: okay so uh what a ride
4: i i can't believe i've been doing this for a decade <laughs> i don't know if i should be proud of that or ashamed very proud.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this was a fun one to get to cover with you uh, once again, Jess. And then Mike, what's coming up for you?
5: Well, first, tip of the cap to the two of you. Uh, I always love getting to talk Amazing Race with you, especially it's like the perfect way to spend a Thursday morning. So happy we got to talk about another great season. And thank you for dealing with my malarkey, uh, be it, you know, Internet based or fashion based, I suppose. But Yeah what's a break i'm not entirely sure uh rob i have the pleasure of getting to join you this week on our usual romp through the penultimate feedback show for survivor that should be happening on friday uh live in the afternoon should be really fun wild episode of survivor really excited to get into that with you of course doing exit press for that as well as amazing race so as I mentioned, my Derek and Claire interview is already out. That was a really, really fun one. Lots of great tidbits that I already mentioned, but even if you listen to my musings, there's so much more great stuff that they provided, and they're just such a fun couple. Had a really great time talking with them, so check that out. And by the time you're listening to this or you happen to stumble upon this video in the YouTube algorithm, uh, I'll probably have my interviews with Emily and Molly and Lewis and Michelle up as well at parade.com. Also doing Survivor, Exit Press as well as we round the bend on that and doing the b with Liana Boris. Though, of course, I'm taking off this week to be on with Rob. The other big to-do is you're talking about annual wrap-ups here when it comes to reality shows. We are just getting started in a manner of speaking doing that over on Post Show Recaps where we have started a new series called essentially like 2022 in Review, Best of 2022, etc. where Post Show Recaps is taking a look back in some of the major shows it covered. Each podcast is dedicated to a specific show talking about like a bird's eye view as to everything that happened that year in it, uh, perhaps some news about it in 2023, moving forward, how we look back on it, etc. I know Jess uh, is doing it or has done it for The Walking Dead, which obviously had a very big year. I'm doing quite a number of them, uh, Westworld, Star Wars, superhero media, Stranger Things, Lord of the Rings. I think I'm on all of those. So you don't have to listen. To all of them in fact we encourage you not to but if you're into sort of like <laughs> a fun scripted roundup as to i mean we're putting one out a day yeah like uh but you're encouraging like,
3: people not to listen to them all
5: well listen i value people's mental health mm-hmm. at the end of the day and i know there's only so much of my annoying voice someone can take before they end up uh losing any <laughs> patience and end up getting <laughs> some sort of form of tinnitus uh so i i think that check it out if you want a good summation of like just the fantastic <laughs> year in television that has been but yeah, excited to, to sum up the year in scripted and reality TV as well. I thought this really was like a banner year for reality television. I think we'll get into it in larger form, perhaps in some podcasts to come. But just I find myself so honored and lucky that I get to cover such great television with such great people. So check all that out. And I'm also you know pimping everything out that i do at a mike bloom type on social media
3: all right uh of course uh we got all of our survivor coverage uh for this week uh, not to mention i talked about the uh, real love boat uh from this week which was also uh, a a pretty wild episode and we talked about the return of too hot to handle on netflix over on nothing but netflix with kirsten mckinnis So she kicks off her coverage of more hot dummies on islands over on rob has Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, check out our amazing race. Exit interviews later today. Take care of a good one. Bye.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
0: 18 plus. 18 plus. 18 plus.